Well, hey guys, just like you introduced me, I am Jordan Hughes. Uh, my full name is Jordan Gregor Nathan Hughes. Those are my two middle names. Uh, my parents didn't have middle names, so they gave each of us two. Um, I have two siblings, um, so I feel like it was to make up for them not having one. Um, but I think it's really cool. Um, I like my middle names because it confuses everyone. Um, people call me Gregor. People call me Nathan. Um, it's it's fun. I get, it's like a different identity every time I tell my name. Um, but I'm super excited to be here. Um, I came up here once before uh, to evangelize with the Rev team a few years ago, and that was a blast. Just um, seeing what the community's like here, um, seeing the people, and, and really getting heart for this place. Um, but I tell you what, it's it's cool coming up now though, because I've just seen the growth in not only your leaders. Um, but you as people and gathered, because I haven't seen some of you before, but it's just really cool to see a community being built here um, in this town. And it's, it's, a, it's truly a beautiful thing when you go to another city and see, see another community building the kingdom of God. And it just it gets me really excited. Um, so I really enjoyed worship this morning. I don't know if you guys did. Um, and, you know, sometimes we, we get into a place of like, oh, we, you know, we need big loud music. Like I'm a drummer, like, like Matt said, and I, I get crazy. I'm what you call a garage drummer. Um, I just, I, I like being loud and I like worshiping with all I got, but I think it's, sometimes it's tougher when, when you're worshiping to a CD or to YouTube, um, or, or songs like that. But it's really cool because your heart shines bigger than your actions in those moments. And there was a moment, um, I think it was in the second song, and um, it was just beautiful. We, it, the, it went to an instrumental, and, and there was a wave, and a few people were singing woes just in that moment. And I just felt the love of God pouring me in that moment, an overwhelming feeling, just because of the, the unity with those people being amazed by God and just singing, whoa, like, whoa, Lord, you are incredible. You are amazing. It was truly beautiful. So you guys are just awesome. I love being here already. So thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Um, tonight, or not tonight, this morning, um, it's a little early still. I want to talk to you guys about faith. Um, faith is a huge message um, and a huge revelation God's put on my heart that I, I just, I love faith. Like everything in my life is about faith. Um, I actually live in faith day by day. Um, it's a constant growth. I don't know if you guys have heard about those uh, Samsung phones that keep exploding. Um, I have one, um, and I don't want to take it back. So every day I wake up and I just say, Lord, just don't let this explode in my pocket today. It's just a constant growing in faith. But what I want to talk to you about, the, the title of, of what I want to talk about is your key for the door. As in the one key to get through the door is faith. From where you are now, into your next season, into the promises that God has given you, that has placed in your life, and the destiny and the calling that you have on yourself. Faith simply is this, to believe in confidence, right? So with our relationship with God, with our, with our relationship with people, you, you have to trust, you have to believe, um, especially with God. Everything God says, you have to believe is true. Um, it's on every page of the Bible. It's in there. Like you, you have to have a trusting relationship with God. So that means you have to sacrifice your emotions. Um, you have to sacrifice your, your preconceived ideas. You have to sacrifice your thoughts and know that above all else, God is king of all kings. And he's, that healings happen every day. That miracles happen every day. You, you have to believe it within. So you have to believe within in confidence. So I want to take you to a story in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories on faith. Um, I think it's, it's, it's super impactful, but it, it gives you a different perspective on faith than you would normally think. 
Um, and so if you guys want to turn to your Bibles to Numbers 13, uh, we're going to start in Numbers 13. As you're flipping there, I'm just going to summarize what happened where we're at. This point in the story, it's about Moses taking um, the Israel people out of Egypt and out of slavery. They've left slavery, he's brought them along, and they're coming to the promised land that God's promised them. And they're right on the edge of it. So at this point, Moses says, I want to send 12 spies into the land to see what, what it's like, to see if it's what God said. And so this is where we're at, at Numbers 13. We're going to start at verse 1. And this is where it begins. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it might sound a little funny if you guys have NIV. Um, okay, November, Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord now said to Moses, send men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to Israel. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of the leaders. Then it lists the 12 tribes and each person that came from them. We're going to skip down to verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. By this time, Moses had changed Hosea's name to Joshua. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go northward, northward through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Enter the land boldly and bring back samples of the crops you see. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near Lebo Hamath. Man, Bible names are so cool. They're tough to read, but they're really cool. Um, starting at verse 22. Going northward, they passed first through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Iman and Sheshe and Talmia, all descendants of Enoch, lived there. When they came to what was what is now known as the Valley of Eskol, they cut down a cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry on a pole between them. They also took samples of the pomegranates and figs. At that time, the Israelites renamed the Valley Eskol Cluster because of the cluster of grapes they had to cut there. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the people of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them, the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We arrived in the land you sent us to see, and it is indeed a magnificent country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here some of its fruit is proof. But the people living there are powerful, and their cities and towns are, are fortified and very large. We also saw the descendants of Anak who are living there, the Amalekites, live in the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to encourage the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him answered, We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they're spreading discouraging reports about the land among the Israelites. The land we explored will swallow up any who go to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Enoch, and we felt like grasshoppers next to them. And that's what we looked like to them. So just to summarize what we just read is basically Moses sends the 12 spies to check out the land for 40 days. They go out there and they check it out. They see that it's flowing with milk and honey. That's a beautiful land. But there's people there. There's people with, with big walls, strong armies, strong people. 
So they get scared. So they come back, and ten of them go to Moses and the Israel people, and they say, listen, it's beautiful, but it's not ours because there's people there. There's strong people there. We won't be able to win if we go and take it. And then there's two spies, which are Caleb and Joshua. And they said, no, that land is ours because God said it is. If we go and take it, we will surely conquer them. Now, this is what I want to highlight is you can have a perspective of faith. And the difference is between the, tw- the ten and the two spies. The ten went knowing what God said. But they saw something when they got there that scared them a little bit. And they thought, well, it's not ours because there's people here. But then the two went with the perspective of knowing what God said and believing what he said and said, even though that there's people there, we can surely conquer them because the Lord said it was ours. There's this, this kind of a kid's story, right? And I'm going to bring it into a, a modern perspective so we can get a greater understanding of the story. So picture me, right? I'm standing here, and I've got my brother and my sister on my sides, right? And I'm talking to my dad, and my dad says, Son, there's a gift downstairs for all three of you behind a door. It's at the bottom of the basement. Go down there and go get it. So me and my brother and my sister are like, yeah, all right, cool, gift. Let's go get it. So we run downstairs, and we get down there, and all three of us are just looking at this big door, right? And there's a, there's a lock, and then there's a, there's a little handle lock as well. And so we're looking at it and thinking, oh, okay, well, the door's closed. And my brother looks up and says, well, the door's closed. Probably means we shouldn't enter. And it looks like there's a lock on it, so it probably means it's locked. So probably the gift's not there because even though he said it was there, it's locked. So we're not, we may as well just go back and tell Dad. But being a man of perspective of faith, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, well, even though there's a door that's closed in front of me and it may have a lock on it, my dad said the gift was there, so it should be there. So why don't we just try it? Why don't we just try it? Why don't we open the door? So you step up and you open the door. The gift's mine. My siblings ran away. I get the gift. Um, but the point of that is your perspective of faith can hinder the taking of the promised land. The ten spies came back and told all these people, that it couldn't be ours because people lived there. They spread discouraging reports to the people of Israel. But the two of them came and said, well, no, if you look at it properly and you understand what God said to us, then it's ours. And this is where faith has has three categories, but the first two are knowing and believing. You can know what the Lord said about you, but then you can also not believe it at the same time. And when you grow a relationship with God, you begin to know who he is and who you are. And so you start to believe that, like, okay, I'm strong. I am gifted in drumming. I am tall. I am a builder of the Lord's community. I'm building the kingdom here. That's what God said. But then you look at your outward appearance and you think, well, kind of short, kind of chubby. I'm not athletic. I can't really build anything. I'm not confident. I'm shy. And that was actually me many years ago. I, when I was growing up, I, I was um, a little pudgy. Um, and I was really shy. I didn't like talking to people. Um, and I used to do this thing where I loved helping people. And I knew it was a gift that God gave me, was to, was to be pastoral and help people and help them through situations. But my outward appearance of myself didn't align with what God has called me to be. And so I used to help people so much that I didn't have to deal with my own issues. And so I knew what God was saying about me. I knew God was saying, I'm strong, I'm caring, I'm loving, and I'm meant to build his community. But every day after I'd help someone, I'd go home, I didn't believe it. Because I thought, well, I mean, I'm shy. I'm not confident. I don't really like myself. 
because, um, you know, as kids, you're quite emotional. You know, your, your heart's growing, your brain's growing. So I was quite an emotional kid. So I used to, like, go to the mirror. Um, I mean, this is kind of sad, but I used to, like, go to the mirror, and I just I didn't like what I saw. But then there was a moment when God revealed to me what it is to believe rather than just know. And since that moment, I stopped walking like I had chains around my ankle. Even though I was trying to walk through what God was having me do, I had chains on my ankle because of what, my appear, what I thought of myself. It hindered what God was doing to me. And the moment he broke that in me, I felt a release and I felt a breaking of chains. And it began to activate who I truly am what I'm supposed to be doing, because I started to see myself in a different way. And that's faith in a perspective sense. When you, when you see it and believe it, it changes who you are. There's no point in getting your, your chains broken if you're going to stay in the same place. The reason they're broken is to give you freedom. And freedom is an act. Freedom is a choice. You move in freedom. You don't just stand still in freedom. You activate it. The Hebrew word for for faith is immuna. And I was trying to read, like, what, what's, what's the uh, description of the root of it. And this is what it says. Derived from this root is the word iman, meaning a craftsman. A craftsman is one who is firm and secure in his talent. When the Hebrew word immuna is translated as faith, misconceptions of its meaning occur. Faith is usually perceived as a knowing, while the Hebrew immuna is a firm action to have faith is not necessarily knowing that God exists or knowing that he will act. Rather, it is that the one with Amuna, Imuna, that will act with firmness towards God's will. That's that next step that I think a lot of people, including myself, miss out on. We know when we believe, but we don't act in it. So you can know that you're set free. You can know that your chains are broken. And you can believe it, and you think, oh, cool, like my chains are off, I don't feel them anymore. But it's that next level is what gets you through the door into your, into your promised land, into your destiny. It's that key that gets you through the door. Because you start to understand that, okay, I'm not in this place anymore, so I don't need to be here. I, c- I can start moving and trusting God. Um, and it's, it's funny that that, that car story came up, because um, I had a car once and it broke. And I was working a minim- minimum wage job, and I wasn't making much money. Uh, and I was in school at the same time, so I didn't have a lot of time to work. And I was saving up money for, for quite some time because I needed a new car. Like, my car was so bad that when you drove, you had to hold the doors closed. <laughs> there was no heating, no air conditioning. There was no defroster. So in the winter, there was times I had to drive with my head out the window to see because I couldn't see. Um, I tell you, a test of strength and faith is, is that car. That really set the course for me. Um, it would snow in the car because there was holes in it. Um, there was holes in the floor. Like, people that would sit in the passenger side would have to, like, hold their legs up because their feet would touch the ground. It was a bad car. It rusted out. Um, so I was believing for a new car because that, that car came to its end. And the winter was coming, and I knew it wasn't going to last. So I started saving money. And I, in my account, I had $250 and, like, 56 cents. And I was really praying. I was like, God, I just I really need a new car. Because I'm not going to be able to get to work. I'm not going to be able to get to school. I want to do life. I want a new car. And I want a nice one. Because I like nice things. And um, I know that the Lord blesses us. You know, we don't have to live with a poor mentality. Because we are his children in the kingdom. And we have an inheritance. So he gives us blessings. And so I was like, well, Lord, I want to I wanna call that out. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to put some money in the offering. And I'm going to believe for a car. I'm going to get one. And so I took 
I think it was like two hundred and fifty dollars, and I left like the fifty cents, fifty six cents in there. And I I took it all out of my account, and I emptied my change jars, and I went into church one day, and I just dropped it in the offering. And I was like, all right, this is it. I'm giving all I've got and believing in faith that I'm going to get a car. And it was funny because my dad was overseas at the time, and he called me up. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, good, good. By the way, Dad, I gave all my money in the offering. I don't have any money left. And he was like, what? You've been saving. What would you do that for? And I was like, well, I felt like I should give my money because I, I'm believing for a car, and I know I'm saving for a car, so I wanted to give everything I had in full faith to him. My dad, my dad is a man of faith, but at the time, he was like, what, what are you doing? That's not, that's not logically right. And as you guys grow, you know that, that a lot of spiritual things and a lot of things God does is not logically right. It's not. It doesn't make sense to, to us most of the time. And so this happened, right? And every day I had a choice. I could believe that today was going to be the day I was going to get a car. Or I could say maybe it won't happen. I could start to hinder my perspective on what my outcome was going to be. But every day I woke up and I went to the mirror and I said, Jordan, you beautiful human being, you. Your beard is luscious and you are a good-looking man. You've got to build yourself up sometimes. You've got to encourage yourself, right? And I looked in the mirror and I said, today is the day that you are going to get a car. And I would like, I walk out of the room, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting a car today. I go to school, and my friend's like, hey, when are you getting a car? And I'd be like, today. And, you know, my friends are not Christians, and they'd be like, do you have any money? I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, well, then you're not getting a car. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm getting a car. And they would do this every day. They would just be like, Jordan, you can't just get a car. And I was like, watch me, I'm getting a car. And so every day it went on. And I hit about a week mark, right, where I started to think, oh, man. I've been doing this every day and I don't have a car yet. This is, this is intense. This is, this is like, this is tough. And I was, I made a decision that moment. I went, no, you know what? My perspective doesn't need to change because it didn't happen when I thought it was going to happen. I need to hold on to what God said and I need, I need to have faith for this. So for the next week I woke up every morning. I was like, you're getting a car, Jordan. You're getting a car. You're beautiful. You're getting a car. Um, and it was a Friday morning, two weeks after I put my money in. And uh, I was eating my cereal at like 6 a.m. in the morning before I go to school, right? And the phone starts ringing. And I'm like, Psst, I'm not answering a call. I just woke up. Like, I'm going to be useless. So I let it go. And then it rings again. And I'm like, oh, shoot, it must be important. So I answer it, right? And someone goes on the phone. And they're like, hey, Jordan, how's it going? I'm like, oh, good. They're like, oh, I just wanted to call you before you go to school, see how you're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm just eating some cereal. I'm super tired, though. Not really excited for school. And they said, cool, cool, cool. Well, I felt like the Lord told me to give you $2,000. And I was like, what? No way. I, like, I, the cereal was like pouring out of my mouth. I was like, what? And they were like, no, seriously, I, I, I really believe that I'm supposed to give you $2,000. So I'm going to give you $2,000. Um, and they didn't know what it was for. Um, and I was like, oh, dude, that's awesome. So I got the $2,000. And it was like a day after. And I'm thinking, I got $2,000. Look at this. This is cool. I'm going to get me a car. And then I went on Craigslist. And I was like, all right, for a working car, I need a little bit more than that, right? I need a little bit more than that. So I went back to God and I said, Lord, I'm truly blessed that you've poured your blessings upon me. I feel absolutely loved, but God, I, feel, I need more. I need more because I, can't, I don't have enough for a car right now. So I'm believing again in faith that I'm going to get a car. And four days after of doing the same thing, of standing up every morning and saying, I'm getting a car today, someone else called. And they called me and they said, hey, I want to give you two and a half grand. And I was like, get out of town. Are you serious? Two and a half grand? And they're like, yeah. So I get the two and a half grand. So that puts me at four and a half, right? And then I went and bought, um, 
a Volkswagen Jetta, which is like I, I love fast cars, and it was a six-speed manual. It was all leather. It was it was a fast little car. I loved it. Um, but I that really shaped that that scenario in my life really shaped my perspective of me, of my life, and of God. It really shaped my perspective of faith. You can have a perspective of faith, which I had to choose to have every day. There, there, there can be a gift of faith, but there ha- you have to work on it. You know, they say practice makes perfect. So, like, everything that, that we have, we have to work on. Some people are miserable as anything, and they have to work on joy. It's, it just happens. They have to work on joy. Like, I know someone who just, like, thinks all the time. He's a, he's a contemplator, so he just thinks all the time. It just doesn't find anything funny. Like, he's just super hard to communicate with. But I love the guy, right? But he has to work on joy. And you know he does, and he is, and he's working, and he's finding joy in life. It's not like he hated life before, but it's just how he was. You know, he didn't laugh at everything. He didn't participate in everything, but he, he just, he loved to think. But now he's finding joy in life, and he's still who he is, but he has to work on joy every day, just like you have to work on faith. I once heard a pastor say this, faith is the door to receive from God. Faith is the door between you and your destiny. Faith is the door between you and your promised land. Faith is the door between you and behind your circumstance. Because we all have circumstances in life. We all have bills to pay. We all have, have broken cars. We all have issues, right? But faith is the only thing that's going to get you from where you are to where you need to be. It's, the, it's the, only, the only thing that bridges you over your circumstance. Faith is that the key to unlock the door which receives what God's trying to trying to show you and try to give you your perspective of faith is a huge huge indication of where you're willing to go for the Lord because if the Lord says like today right he says Jordan I want you I got a really good job at the moment right I got blessed with one but if he says Jordan I want you to quit your job and I want you to go work at McDonald's like, that's a tough decision, right? Because, like, not a lot of people want to, like, go down. I mean, I'm not saying go down, but, like, you know, switch jobs, especially if they have a good one, that, especially that's going to pay less. Like, that's a huge commitment, right? But if he was to say, Jordan, I want you to quit your job and I want you to work at McDonald's because I've got something for you. Now, logically, I think, well, hang on. I make more money doing what I'm doing now, so that will enable me to do more for you because I'll have more money. So, logically, it doesn't make sense, right? But spiritually, God obviously wants me to do something there. So my faith in what God has called me to do, my perception of, of where I am, of who God is, will judge where I'm going to go. My emotions will come into play and hinder my perspective on faith. Or my faith will be so strong that I'll see the destiny that God's got for me, and I'll think, no, God wants me there for a specific reason, so I'm going to go there. It's that, it's that jump from where you are to where you need to be. There was a, a word that, that God gave me once. Um, and it, it was tough to see because um, my, my dad's a really strong man, right? He's a, he's a, he's a builder. He's a mover. He, he has, he's a visionary man, right? And so growing up, I was a lot like my mother. I was um, fragile. I was emotional. Um, I was sensitive. My mom's strong too, but um, she's sensitive as well, right? And so I was sensitive and so I got along with my mom really well. I got along with my dad really well, but I was more like my mom. And the Lord said, look to the generations above you 
and decide to go further than we have. And I was like, that's a big deal because I've got to go farther than my father has. And my father has got a ton of strength. And he's a man of vision, so he sees in the future and just goes for it with everything he's got. And I thought, I like sitting on the couch and watching Netflix. Like, I really do. Like, that's a, that's a big deal for me. But I thought, I have an opportunity to build the Lord's community with this, right? So we, we are all placed on this earth for a very specific reason. We're all here for a purpose. You're all here in this town for a very specific reason. God's doing something this, in this town. And he's called you as his sons and daughters to build the community, to change the face of the earth. And you can do that in Hesperia. And so you have to look at the people that have done greatness before you and are doing greatness now. And you think, I can take it farther. Because we always want to be a growing generation. We never want to be a stagnant generation. So it's a decision you have to make to, to, de- to decide to go farther than, than people have gone before. Because we... Each generation is the greatest generation before them. It gets better every year. I mean, millennials right now are taking a ton of heat. Um, they're, you know, they're calling us lazy and all that, which, to be honest, it can be true. I'm, I'm quite lazy. I'm not going to lie. But us as millennials have a decision to make. Do we change the face of the earth or do we stay stagnant and be known as this generation? It's, it's an initiative that you have to take. It's an act, right? You have to decide to go through it. As I was um, praying for this morning and being here with you guys, um, I just felt like the Lord was saying that this next season, this season you're in right now, is an activation season. Um, the season right now is putting things in you. My bad. I hit it with my pinky. I'm sorry. <laughs> so as you're coming to that next season. Just know that even though the door's closed, even though you've got bills to pay and you might not be able to pay them, faith is that key that's going to unlock the door. Faith is that next step into the next season. I just really felt like the Lord wanted you guys to hear that today and, and just be prepared because this church is going to grow. Um, you guys have a calling on your life and your leaders are fantastic. I l- they're absolutely brilliant. Um, and I love when you guys come down to the conferences and I get to, I get to hear your heart a little bit more every time about what you're doing here. And it makes me want to come to Hesperia because I think, man, they are, <laughs> you guys are doing something here. You know, you guys are, you guys are building the kingdom. Like I just, I can't escape that building the kingdom is truly a beautiful thing. And you guys are a family that's doing it. And even the way you guys greeted me in this morning, I just felt like I was part of the family. I felt welcomed. I felt loved. And that's what you guys are. You guys are a welcoming, loving family. And you are building something here. And it's remarkable to see. I'm just so excited to see you guys. Because I, I follow a lot of you on Facebook. So I get to see your current growth and, and where you guys are going. It's, it's truly beautiful. And I'm super excited to see the future for you guys and see where your next season is. And I'll be praying for you and believing for you in full faith. And I just want to thank you for, for letting me come out here and, and share my heart with you guys um, as one. So thank you.